with with God, and uh, and it's important that we connect with God. Here, somebody somebody did something. It was Adrian, uh, but there's also responsibility outside of here. And and, and David spent a lot of time with the Lord. I mean, there's 150 Psalms. So he must have spent a fair amount, and he was up and down, and he had good moments, and uh, and obviously. Yeah, ecstasy and euphoria, and there were like other moments when, like, oh man, what is what is going on? Life is just hemming me in, and this is not nice. This is not good. So, but through it all, uh, he was able to just lift uh, from a place of of a, a developed soul, a place of a relationship with the Lord, where he could actually say, "It's all right. My soul is good." And uh, despite what is going on around me, the complexities of what is happening in, in our lives. And, uh, and I'm so excited to see so many uh, uh, young people. I can put in an advert on Friday nights. Age 16 to 19, uh, we meet as, uh, I don't know, if, I, we won't call it youth, we'll call it like senior youth, young adults. But, but we get together in this building and I think it's happening this Friday. Just not, yes, it is now if it isn't. <laughs> okay, so guys, there's so many young people here. Come and, come and join in. It's, just, it's ext- incredibly exciting. And, uh, and, and this preach today is for everybody because sometimes we sometimes think that uh, the complexity of this world and the things that are really complicated and, and causing us, uh, yeah, just like not to almost cope, to be anxious. That's, that's, those are big people's problems or those are older people's problems or those are working people's problems. But, um, but it's, it's for everybody. And... Uh, I wanted to start off uh, with a, a beautiful quote uh, from a guy called Dallas Willard. He's a philosopher and Christian, American philosopher and Christian. I don't know if the two go together, but, uh, but let's go with it. It's actually quite beautiful. Okay, it says, our soul, just close your eyes if you need to, but concentrate. It's not going to be on the board. I'm going to read, and it's a beautiful passage. It says, our soul is like a stream of water, which gives strength direction, and harmony to every other area of our life. When the stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do because our soul itself is in profusely rooted in the vastness of God and His kingdom, including nature, and all else within us is enlivened and directed by that stream. Therefore, we are in harmony with God, reality, and the rest of human nature and nature at large. What a beautiful picture that our soul is like a stream of water and when that stream is flowing properly and it's nourished and it's full of living water then it actually nourishes the rest of us and it actually creates joy and peace and exuberance Uh, so i just want to just turn uh, if we just bring that back to to scripture we're going to start to talk about um the heart or the soul, and we can use it almost interchangeably, often in Scripture. In Proverbs, they refer a lot to the heart, uh, but that can be interchanged with the soul and other places like the Psalms and other parts that I'll explain just now. They use the word soul, and so they're both synonymous in, uh, in terms of uh, this place that we need to remain connected to, to God in its entirety so that it actually can control almost like the engine room of our life, controlling everything, who we are, our will, our emotions, our body, our mind. And so if we read in Proverbs 3, verse 1 to 2, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And then the passage of scripture that we know very well that I want to use as the base for today, amongst telling you some stories and some fun stories amongst it, uh, and some quotes, is Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 23. It says, my son, be attentive, and just watch all the words here, incline yourself, be attentive, take care, be vigilant with everything. So just let's just read it, it's really beautiful. 
My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And if you don't keep your heart or keep your soul or keep connected to the Lord, then streams of life cannot flow out of it. It cannot nourish you and it cannot actually nourish anybody else. We, we actually, in the same scripture, we're almost called to be fountains of life so that we have enough for ourselves, but we also have enough for others to come and drink from us as well. So wisdom, internalizing wisdom, which is what most of the Proverbs are about, is actually bringing health and continues to sustain life. We must protect our heart, as we've read, with all diligence, and out of it flows all our thoughts and words and choices and emotions. So the, the starting block, the engine room, is that we're actually protecting our heart or our soul. So the heart in Proverbs often refers to the center of one's life, and the orientation to God from which a person does all thinking, all feeling, and all choosing. So what flows out of the soul is vital. And if it's healthy and connected to God, then good things flow out and we experience joy and peace. So what is, what is the soul? We, we've likened it to a heart, but often we keep, even in the pre-meeting, we were praying for souls. And we talk about souls and uh, just everyday languages. Often it's referred to as uh, possibly there are souls on an airplane, particularly when the thing goes down, then it's really quite relevant at that stage. And uh, yeah, sometimes we talk about evangelists. We, there were 50 souls saved tonight. And, uh, and then even Paul speaks of losing on a shipwreck 263 souls. So it was, it was a, a whole encompassing body. It was, it was a, the soul is representing your whole being. So the soul is what keeps the parts of the inner life helping. And like God intended it, so that we're able to have joy and peace. So I don't know if uh, Uli managed to reconstruct my bad drawing earlier, but uh, there was a little diagram about, ah, there we go. Okay. Hey, it's, it actually came like that out of the book almost, but he did do some adjustments. So. Okay, so just, just, we're not going into a long philosophy lesson or psychology. <laughs> Psychology, Greek, 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 okay. Uh, but just uh, what, what is interesting here is like uh, we can just picture these concentric circles um, and it's uh, first of all in the middle um, is, your, is your will and that's the capacity to choose it, and that's what makes you human above everything else, above the animals and everything, the fact that you can actually tune, uh, choose. And, it, it, and it's very, very central but it's also very limited. It can make big decisions but it makes simple decisions. Um, and then we've got our mind, which is all our thoughts and feelings. And Paul also said, the mind of sinful is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So our thoughts and feelings are flowing through us all the time. And uh, most, most often habits, and it's, our will is unable to, our willpower, sheer willpower is unable to change these particular mind, thoughts, and feelings. And then the body, lastly, um, is the place that actually kind of runs on its own. It's got a, it's like an amazing power pack, and uh, it actually just gets on with the other little things so that the mind and the will, and they don't have to worry about that. So it actually just does all the little things like tying your shoelaces or taking your clothes out the cupboard or eating, so it doesn't have to rely on great, great thought and great uh, willpower. So likewise, if our body dominates, uh, then that that's not good. If our mind and our feelings get in the way, then sometimes we're not in sync and we're not in harmony. 
So then a guy called Gordon MacDonald writes uh, really good uh, books and um, he actually likens us to having two worlds, almost like an outer world, which is the world that's very, very seen, very visible. It's your achievements, it's your success, uh, it's measurable, it's quite public. Uh, and often we get, we get caught up in, in actually chasing a lot of that in the workplace and career and money and wealth and all the rest. Is That, that ends up being an outer world. Then there's another world that he refers to being the inner world. And uh, this world, like we spoke, is more like a, the heart, the soul, the engine room uh, that actually drives everything. And that is easy to neglect. That doesn't cry out, it doesn't scream for our attention, because everything else that we're busy with screams for our attention and is visible. But this part of us here, the soul and the heart, it doesn't scream very loudly, and it often gets neglected. So I want to just give an illustration. Uh, it's from an American Navy sub. And uh, one evening, um, the sub was doing what subs do uh, in enemy waters. And uh, the captain was off duty in his, in his room or bunk. And uh, the bridge was under control of the second-in-command second in or officer. And uh, then there was suddenly a violent lurch. The actual sub actually made a violent maneuver or lurch. And uh, so what the captain did is he went for the very place where he would know whether everything's all right or not all right, heads to the bridge, the place where everything's under control, and he has a good look around, and he basically says, is everything okay? And uh, the second officer would say, yes, everything's fine, no problems. And the captain would say, okay, if it's fine, then it's fine. He knows already that there's lots of training that's gone into these people. If the bridge is okay, if they're in control, then everything is fine. And I think it's very similar in our lives as well. Uh, if, um, yeah, similar to us and our inner solemn being, if all in order, then we can handle the turbulence. And turbulence will come. Life is turbulent. Uh, it's a world demanding of our attention, and it dictates how we live. Whether you're young or old, there's just this, even in the last few years, there's almost like this intensity, uh, this is hurry, there's this freneticness that comes, and the world is actually pushing down on us. And, uh, and then maybe it's time that we claim back some of that lost ground and take control of how we live and how, whether we actually invest our time and our energies in those inner uh, being and that heart and that soul that actually needs our attention and needs to be developed. Because when the tough times come, when the turbulent times come, and when you face adversity, you will actually need to know that you have a strong engine room and a strong soul. And if you think... A quick upgrade of the outer world is going to uh, bring you relief on the inner world, more money, more this, more something. You're going to be sorely mistaken. If we don't develop what is inside us, we will actually not be able to handle the complexity and busyness of life. We need to learn how to navigate our heart and our soul. Dallas Willard, the, the guy that I quoted earlier, also says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life. We are running around everywhere, all <laughs> young. We just we're getting on with it, and we just it's cell phone and drive and answer calls along the way. And it's sometimes we in a very hurried place. And I and I personally found that just over the last couple of years, uh, just as COVID uh, made things extra challenging on the work front, and then there was this building project and a building project at home and other life and stuff. And then suddenly, around about September last year, I just like thought, wow, I haven't my inner world or my soul and my heart is not keeping up 
with my outer world. And uh, it felt like if you don't feed it, if you don't look after it, then actually sometimes your world actually comes apart and uh, you haven't got enough in you to be able to sustain you when things are really tough. So, so yeah, I made some adjustments, uh, read a great book, I just started to slow down and invest in myself and invest in my soul and my inner being. And that is that is the challenge for each and every one of us today is that, are we outside? This is this is great and we, and we need to be here. Pete did a great job of explaining last week um, why we need to be here and encouraging us on all the more while the days are, are closing in on us and, uh, and, and it's wonderful that we come and worship and then we leave this place. What does it look like for you tomorrow or on Wednesday in two weeks' time or a couple months' time? Are you actually investing in your heart? Are you investing in your soul and are you developing it so that everything is running, running well? And then, uh, okay, in fact, after removing hurry from our life. In fact, we must remove anything that would muddy the streams and cause them to stop flowing in our lives and reduce their effectiveness. So it's not long, but I'm going to read a, a beautiful account of, just, uh, of what we just said, just removing the muddiness, removing the things in our life that would actually prevent the streams from flowing and being crystal clear and actually being lifeblood to you. It's called The Keeper of the Stream. If I'm going out quite well. And uh, it says, there once was a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam in it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that no one could even remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water. But his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better things to do with the money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went unattended. Twigs and branches, and worse, muddied the liquid flow. Mud and salt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew children to play in it. Some people in the town began to grow ill, all noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks and the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream, and the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened. The money was found. The old man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were clean. The stream was pure. Children played again on the banks. Illness was replaced by health. The swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of a village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul. And you are the keeper. Just a beautiful story of just depicting that we, we're actually the keeper of, of our souls. And uh, we're not built to be self-sufficient. You're a soul made by God, for God, and in need of God. Your soul is your life center. It's kind of like a computer program. You don't really know it's broken until it stops working. It's there, but you only know when it stops working. And you must be fully connected to God and others to have a healthy soul. So your soul integrates your will, 
your mind and your body, and it's like an engine room. If it's connected and well-ordered, then there's harmony between your will and your mind and your body. When it's disconnected, it's kind of like a car without a steering wheel. It's kind of going nowhere. It's uh, rudderless. In Mark 8, verse 36, I think we had that one, really. Or if we didn't, if you could find it. Mark 8, verse 36. I'll, I'll just read, I'll read it anyway. It says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So it's not talking about gain a hell. It's not talking about a destination. It's talking about a diagnostic, a di- diagnosis. So it, it doesn't help us gaining the whole world. Whatever you're busy with in the world, whatever that looks like for you, it doesn't help to just push and push and push and gain that, but that expense of your soul, the expense of your injury and your heart. So what are you busy with today? Is there room in your plans for the maintenance of your inner being or your soul? Are you developing it? Are you like David? Are you spending copious amounts of time and hours before the Lord actually reading about him, hearing, letting the Holy Spirit just talk to you? So the world and its complexities and the hurriedness that we live in, it will actually come after you. So don't neglect the place that can sustain you. Our world is all about self. To focus on your soul means you need to look at your life under God's care. Sooner or later, you'll face challenges. Sooner or later, your world might be challenging and like it was for me. And you had to go back and check, what is my engine room like? What is my heart like? What is in my soul? Because that is going to be important when life comes at you. So what matters most is the soul that you have constructed over time. So the soul can be all right. It can be perfectly fine when everything around you is all wrong. It depends on what we've managed to create. So there's a story. I'm not going to read the story, but I just, I'm going to briefly give you the synopsis. Uh, it's quite a famous guy. He ended up uh, writing a song which uh, reads as follows. It, um, so there's a story of Horatio Spafford. He lived in 1871. He was in America, keeping it short. There was the great Chicago fire. Everything burnt down. Um, he actually, prior to that, had lost his son to smallpox. Uh, he had four daughters and a wife. He put them on a ship to England while he rebuilt uh, his wealth and rebuilt what, whatever had gone up in flames. And uh, while sailing to England, um, finally his wife sent him a message at the end. Uh, I'm safe. All's well. But uh, our four daughters are not with us anymore. He lost his four daughters as well, in addition to that. And then he hurried along, jumped on that same boat, crossed the oceans. And when he got to that same spot where the previous ship had gone down, he actually wrote this that we all know so well. He said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like a sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. So that is written by... Horatio Spafford. So what matters most is, is not what you've done, but who you've become. And I want to liken it, just in the second part of this, is just to the parable of the seed, but I want to change it a little bit with poetic license, the parable of the soul. And uh, we want to look at three aspects. One is the hardened soul, the other one is the shallow soul, and the third one is the cluttered soul. So I just want to just say that the things that are constant here that we need to look out for is firstly, the seed is constant. And it will take root if given a chance. So God's desire and action is to redeem souls. So he, the seed is constant. The sower is constant as well. He sows generously all the time. What is variable, what changes is the soil. 
as we know from the original parable. So the soil is the variable. And a closed soul leads to death. The receptive soul leads to life. So where does the seed? The seed is going to get sown generously. And, the, and, and God wants us actually to be redeemed and to live with good life and, and just really just the connectivity to him. But how, how does, where does that seed fall in your life? So what, is, what is your soul like today? Firstly, there's the hard soil. So generally seeds fall on this uh, pathway where people trample and donkeys walked up and it was just a, a pathway. A seed fell on the pathway. So it was obvious it wasn't going to survive. It's going to be quite difficult for that seed to germinate. And sometimes this refers to people who are suffering with hurt and disappointment. Maybe you've, I don't know, even heard the terminology, I got burnt out or somebody hurt me or I was, I'm going to be naughty as well. I've been in another church and uh, I really just, yeah, I'm, I'm in hurt. I've been disappointed. And how long have you been living like that? About nine years, 13 years. <sighs> Guys, it's time that we actually moved and allow God to actually soften our hearts and our soil. Think of ourselves as, sometimes we think of ourselves as victims and our soul's attention is diverted away from God and others. And then there becomes a limited or no connection to God. When we hurt, when we've been uh, burnt out or disillusioned or disappointed, sometimes we move away from God and our soul actually gets disconnected from God. We're so wrapped up in our own hurt, we're not aware that we're hurting others and God. And underneath all of this is often fear, rejection, uh, pride, fear of looking foolish. And, uh, but, but small acts of denial, small acts of moving just to the side, getting over yourself a little bit so that you can move to the side so that God can actually move to the center. Seeds are hardy, and only a slight bit of softening can cause germination. So hardened soil is far more vulnerable to actually germination than we actually imagine, and we're very close to it. So if you're hurting tonight, if you're disappointed, if you're disillusioned, if you hardened your heart, hardened your soul tonight, it's up to us to move a little bit to the side so that God can actually come in and take center stage. And then the shallow soil. Shallow soil actually was little shaly, small bits of soil that were on top of a bedrock, very thin, not much um, opportunity for the plants to take root because it gets very hot and the soil uh, is too thin. So there is life, but as it gets hot and the soil is too shallow to cool and hold moisture and the plants weather. So the world conspires against our souls, keeping them shallow. Likewise, and we've said it before, when life comes at you, if you do not have depth to your inner being or soul, there'll be not enough moisture and support for your soul to survive. Richard Foster, he wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. He said, superficiality is the curse of our age. And our, our souls are desperate for depth. If we read Psalm 42, verse 1 to 8, it says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me, continue, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him my salvation. And my God, 
My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. So deep calls out to deep. And this soul was in deep need of God. And then the deep need calls out for a remedy. And God wants to provide that remedy. We mostly live in the shallows. And our soul becomes shallow when we actually become focused on self. When it's all about us and we become, it's me and my problems uh, and my life, then that's actually when our soul becomes shallow. Depth means there's more going on than we see at the surface. And that can be represented by the capacity to empathize with others, awareness of eternity and not just today, to love and care deeply. And to suffer deeply means to be wounded at soul level. The Bible also speaks of the soul of God on at least 20 occasions. Two of these is, I will make my dwelling among you and my soil, sorry, my soul will not reject you. So everything God is stands behind this promise. And at Jesus' baptism, God said, this is my son whom I love. With him, my soul is well pleased. Speaking from the deepest place of his being. So I just want to quote, it said, the world conspires against our souls blinding us to the depth and glory of their God-given design and tempting us to be satisfied with immediate gratification. Sometimes it's about the here and now. Sometimes we need to invest in our soul and our heart. We need to find our depth in Him rather than the shallowness that we often live and the shallowness of the world that is around us. And lastly, there's the cluttered soil. So the, it falls amongst thorns and weeds which grow up alongside and choke the plants. So this is the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth. I wonder why they say that, the deceitfulness of wealth. And desire for other things, they just choke the soul. And sin is a big, is a big disintegrator of our soul. But if the devil can't get you to sin, he will actually try and keep you busy. And our soul, like Velcro, often connects itself and, uh, to, and attaches itself to the wrong things. Either way. Our soul is going to end up being choked up and shriveled and the thorns will take over. <laughs> Just uh, once, once a yuppie came to Jesus and said, I have life all sorted. What must I do next? And Jesus' answer, I'm paraphrasing it and putting it into message type of terminology. <laughs> the message. <laughs> no Hebrew, Greek, the straight message. It says, go liquidate all you have and give it away. Come hang with me and save your soul. Sometimes we mistake the clutter and busyness for normal life. And it only takes a bit of uncluttered space to give the seed time to germinate. So if we can unclutter our lives, if we can actually make priority of our soul to be priority, then the seed will actually germinate. So in closing, your soul is waiting. And I want to remind us again that sin is deadly and can easily disintegrate a soul. With sin, our body actually dominates our will and our mind, and our appetite for lust and anger that can actually overtake us, and that, that is not good for our soul. So sin distorts our perceptions, it alienates our relationships, it inflames our desires, and enslaves our wills. Peter said, there are sinful desires inside you, and they wage war against your soul. And in Psalm 51, verse 6, it said, you desire truth in the innermost parts. And I want to say that confession 
is good for the soul. Sometimes we allow sin to creep into our lives, and sin, as we know, gives birth to sin, gives birth to death. And uh, sin actually breaks that connectivity with God. It's a powerful breaker of connectivity with God. So if you can't, and then the devil is always after you. If you can't get you to sin, he'll keep you busy. And that busyness is life around us at the moment. So in summary, our soul connects our will, our mind and body in harmony. It can only happen when our whole life and our whole soul and our whole inner being is actually connected to God. In Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in, within me. And then we know the passage of Scripture that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and with all your strength. So when my will is consistently, freely, joyfully aligned with what we most deeply value, then our soul can find wholeness and it can find rest. We cannot have a half-hearted devotion to God. Our soul will take strain. We need to have a deep relationship. We don't need to remain shallow, but have a deep relationship with Him. So, what does that mean for us in closing? There's a couple things that we need to look out for. If, if Francois, you can maybe just come up with your songsters, choir, <laughs> vocalist. It was beautiful. <laughs> It was very different tonight, very awesome. Yeah, so beautiful. When I walked in this building earlier today, it was like, wow, that is, that's really nice. So what does that mean for you and I? We need to make sure that we are connected to God firstly. And we need to make sure that that inner being, that soul, that heart is actually aligned so that the rest of our body, will, and what are we missing? Mind uh, can actually come into line and all operate uh, together and bring us great joy and great peace.